You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number 21. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there, my name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. This is the third and final segment of my interview with fellow voice actor and accent expert, J.B. Blanc. In this episode, we conclude our discussion by talking about what someone can do to work on an accent by themselves, JB's favorite resource online for researching accents, as well as how to contact JB to get individual coaching from him. I hope you enjoy. And now, the feature segment. So I know uh, that you say that ideally someone should get a coach who can work with them privately. Yeah. And I want to talk about that. But is there anything that someone can do before uh, getting a coach? Is there anything they can do on their own? Because clearly, I mean, you, you learned a lot of this stuff without a coach. Right? I did. I learned all of it without a coach. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I was blessed with a very strong ear. But once it also came out of necessity, like I said, once I realized that my casting was not going to be the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Brit, even in England, you know, I would get a lot more American parts than I would British. It was very interesting. Funny, for me, I got a lot more British parts when I was in America Ain't than that American interesting, parts. yeah. Mm, funny, yeah. yeah. But then again, background, education, the way you speak naturally, you know. I can understand, you know, I get mistaken for Australian all the time because Americans right. don't, they have wayward ears. Also, it's, it's difficult for Americans, and I'm not, I don't mean to be pejorative or, or prejudiced, or, but you've got a very big country here and the accents will change in brackets of 500 miles or 300 miles as opposed to 10 or 20 in England. Yeah. So people really don't have the same sense of dialect unless it's really obvious. If someone starts talking to you like that, you're pretty sure that they come from Texas. But you're not, you know, that's a very specific southern dialect. Noting the difference between Mississippi, Alabama, and New Orleans, and Louisiana is trickier for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And also, some people in Louisiana drop their R's. Well, let's go to the market. And some people don't. Let's go to the market. You know, yeah. it's, it, that varies within Louisiana. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a specific science. What people can do on their own is it's, it's about turning on your attention and awareness to dialect. And that I, it's very difficult to tell someone how to do that. But what I used to do was I would record a radio program and I would pause it and repeat the sentences again and again and again. I would, uh, I would watch a program on TV and I would pause it. The same way, you know, I wanted to do voiceovers and commercials. Mm -hmm. I, I would listen, I would start listening to a lot of commercial radio. Mm -hmm. There are very few things that can be described as painful. <laughs> As having to listen to a lot of commercial radio. But I had to do it for my you know, professional education, effectively, if I wanted to move into that area. The other thing, there's a resource that I use a lot. You can't actually download the samples, but you can listen to them online. It's, uh, it's a site by a guy called Paul Meyer, who's a dialect expert from England. And it's called the 
International Dialects of English Archive. He's a guy who um, works out of, I think, KU in Kansas. Um, it's Kansas University. Kansas University, yeah. I think it's Kansas University. But he started compiling, and there are a few people out there who've done this, but his, I think, is one of the most reliable. And they're not, there's not all of them there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's tricky to find the right sample. But he's gone around, and, and him and his team have gone around and interviewed as many people from as many different places in the world as possible. Mm-hmm. And I will often use that as a resource to help clients of mine just hear the rhythm and the tune of the dialect and start from a, you know, a basic strong footing. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of Midwestern accents on there, and that's pretty much what people are talking about when they say the standard American accent. Mm-hmm. You know, people tend to jump for what they can hear. So a lot of Brits, when they start doing their American accent, they'll jump straight into like a Brooklyn from New York because they, that's how they figure that people talk. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't. It's a very specific dialect. Or they'll do the opposite, which is go into some Hindi kind of Southern kind of drawl and it's much too heavy for anything they're trying to say, you know, and it, and it, it sounds comedic. Mm-hmm. The Midwest is what we call the sort of standard accent of America, yeah. for want of a better term. But it's all largely pejorative, you know. It's all six of one and a half dozen the other. But if, but if you look at, you know, the sort of the mid-states, Illinois, uh, northern Missouri, those sort, of, those sort of areas, you know, you can, that's where you're basically heading for. Um, and he has plenty of samples on there. The, it's called the International Dialects of English Archive. And I use it as a resource a lot. And listen, I get surprised all the time. Someone says, you know, they suddenly need... Uh, I had to play a Bangladeshi for a video game. I had to play Indonesian, I've done. Um, I've had to do Chinese, for instance. I have to teach myself, or if I, even if I have to teach it to someone else, I learn the accent myself first. Because I know that I can rely on my ear to get a true representation of it before I then figure out what it, what's happening in my mouth to do that dialect, how I'm approaching it, what I'm listening for, which words I'm leaning on, which syllables I'm stressing, and then I'm equipped to teach it to someone else. Mm. So the other thing is, is really looking at the way that someone is physically when they are speaking. You know, I always say to people who, you know, if I'm teaching someone a French accent, shrug it. Shrug the accent, mm-hmm. because the French are very, no, I don't, I, I'm not going to stop smoking. I have a cup of coffee and I have a cigarette. I, I'm French. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a sort of shrug in the voice as well as physically, you know, you look at a Frenchman speaking and most of the time he's going, you know, Shrug-tru-tru. he's shrugging. Yeah, yeah. He's shrugging and he's pouting. So shrug and pout. Yeah. Um, if it's a strong dialect, I, I often say to people, feel free to take the mickey out of the accent, you know, to, 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 to parody it. Mm-hmm. Because that will get you in, and then you can then you can work with a coach, or you can work with someone else, or a director will be able to pare that down and and neutralize it slightly so it sounds more authentic. Yeah. So you know, there's lots of different techniques. It's a it's not as specific as science, and again, it depends on the individual. Always, always, it does depend on the individual. So you would listen to stuff on your own. I know sometimes I will download uh, podcasts. Yep. From the country that I'm trying to do. So rather than like go to an accent tape, if I'm trying to work on an Irish accent, I'll go download an Irish podcast. Yes. And hear actual Irish people talking on their podcast. Absolutely. On radio show or whatever and see, oh, there, there are, look at that, there are all sorts of different flavors of Irish accent. Which one do I think might work for me? Right. And there's a huge danger, particularly with someone like Ireland, because everyone wants to do the twiddly dee 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 Irish accent, you know. That's absolutely lovely. And they all say, I ride a bike. 
very few people actually talk like that. In, you, know. you know, if you've got Dublin, like, you're talking like Bono, right, or, uh, or Bob Geldof, for instance. Uh-huh. Give us your money now. That's gear, man, you know? But, you know, the, the, Ireland's a pitfall. It's, a, it's one of those pitfall dialects because everyone wants to sort of sound like they're a little leprechaun. You know, yeah. it's lovely. Everything's lovely. Everything's not lovely in Ireland, you know? <laughs> Some people talk it in a different way. Like then you get into Northern Irish, which is a completely different sound, and that literally across the border it changes. Yeah. So you have Belfast, which is a really strong, like bizarre dialect to hear, uh-huh. and that's it. All about placement. It's a different place entirely, and so you know the, there are certain areas and countries where it's 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 a kind of it's a dangerous area. Gotcha. Um, and you're trying to get people out of. You, you know, if you're playing a character, you don't want to be parodying where that character is from. Yeah, yeah. It's got to have an authenticity to it. Uh, but for me, a lot of people say, oh, I don't really care about dialect. I don't really bother with it. You know, that's insane to me because to me, it's, a, it's, it's another gift to an actor to be able to reproduce a character authentically, mm-hmm. to be able to tell the truth of that character's story, which is all we're about as actors. Mm-hmm. We're storytellers. No matter what medium you work in, you know, I, I don't know a lot about anime. I work a lot in anime. And a lot of the fans when I'm at conventions give me a hard time because I don't have a huge anime knowledge. But for me, storytelling is storytelling is storytelling. Now, have I had to learn a bit about anime and how it works and the signals that eyes give and the expressions and physically what's going Of course I have. Hmm. But my top priority is telling the story in as clear a way as I possibly can, yeah. whatever character I'm playing. And that doesn't matter whether I'm doing a commercial or a, or a movie. It doesn't really make a difference to me. Yeah, and accent for me, dialect is, is is part of the fabric of that character. We talk about characters and is as onions, where you peel back the layers and you're building or you're building the layers of a character. A dialect is an absolutely crucial part of that for me. Just as the way the character physically walks or drinks a cup of tea or uh, addresses his girlfriend or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I find it, uh, it's it's you know it's as fundamental to, to character development as any other part. So. Uh, you also offer coaching here in Los Angeles. Yes, I do. So you you privately coached all sorts of different people. I have. If someone wanted to uh, come and get coaching from you, how would they approach you? Uh, well, they can go to my website, which is www.jbblunk.com. Uh, I can I often do teaching over Skype now because a lot of my clients are around the world shooting different things, and uh, and if you're in LA, then we can we can arrange something here. I think I'm fairly reasonably priced compared to other dialect coaches. There are some people in town driving, charging an awful lot of money. But another point that I want to make is dialect tapes, there are some very good accent tapes out there and dialect coaches out there. So for some people who have a natural ear, that works very easily. But for most people, it's difficult because there's nothing individual about a dialect tape. And it doesn't take into consideration what accent you're working with to start with and how you're going to transfer that into the accent that you're trying to get. And the tape doesn't talk back. It doesn't say, oh, yes, well, you nearly got that, but you didn't raise your tongue quite high enough. Or why don't you try smiling as you speak so that you get that width in, in you know, and then think of the smile being inside the mouth still, but relax the front of the face so that you get that width without 
grinning like an idiot. Right. The, the accent tape assumes that you're already aware of the regionalisms in your It speech. sort of does. It sort of does. No matter how good, and Gillian Brescia is one of the best ones, you know, no matter how good the coach is, standardizing that coaching, I think, is a sticky area, personally. It's just what I've found through yeah. experience. No, I, I mean, I, it's funny because I was, I was uh, raised in Chicago in Illinois, so I had a Midwestern accent growing up. Um, it didn't sound terribly neutral to me when I grew up because Chicago has a certain way of saying the bulls, the bears. Yeah. And the first time I heard it, it was when I heard a recording of our uh, chorus singing Mozart's Requiem. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew the movie Amadeus very well. Right. So I was, I was used to the famous scene where Salieri and Mozart are talking about the Confutatis Maledictis from the Requiem. And, I, and I'd heard that, I'd seen that scene in the movie, you know, Confutatis Maledictis. And then I heard our recording, and literally our course... Confutatis. Confutatis. <laughs> maledictis. Flammy sacribus addictis. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like That's when my ear got sort of woken up to the idea of, I don't sound the way I think no. I sound. No, and, and that's part of the problem is Americans, honestly, and I don't mean to sound condescending, it's not, you, you have, listen, I live here and I love it. Why would you travel? It's fabulous. You can, I can ski and go to the beach in the same day. This is an amazing thing to someone from England. <laughs> and so I'm not berating people for not traveling. Yeah. But you don't travel. Right. You know, 20% have passports, 9% use them or something. It's crazy, the numbers. Yeah. Um, so why would you ever be aware that you were speaking any differently to anyone else? Yeah. You know, if you're not listening for it on the TV or in, in a movie, you're not really aware of it. Yeah. But it t- often takes, you know, a lot of people say that. Well, I moved to L.A. and then I suddenly realized that my mom in, 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 in Michigan was saying, Oh, Gad, where'd you pack the car? Oh, I don't know. You know, or uh, Minnesota, you know, uh, people in Minnesota are outraged that far- when Fargo came out. Because they don't realize that that's how they, they sound. sound. And they do sound. That's very authentic, that movie. Yeah, yeah. But to a Minnesotan, attention is being drawn to the way that they are. So, of course, they're going to be uncomfortable with it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and even after I got a lot of sort of dialect training and realized, and, and there's, it's, there's certain things that I will catch myself doing, like um, it's a common thing in the Midwest to, uh, to change the TR sound for CH. Yeah. So instead I'm going to catch a chain. Yeah, instead of train or tradition, it's train or tradition. Yeah, tradition. It's like it's very subtle. Tradition, yeah, very subtle. But it's in there, and I go, oh, yeah, I do do that. Yeah, we I? do that in England, though. We do that. That's what we do, you know. Oh, that's a great tune, mate. Yeah. It's instead of tune, it's a tune. It's a tune. Nice tune, mate. Wow. Um, and, you know, fascinating. Listen, there are villages on the east coast of America where they still speak with a Cornish accent. Little fishing villages. And everybody talks like that. Oh yeah, we had a good day last 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 week. We had a big catch, and uh, it, was, it was you know a little rough, little choppy, like you know, and and it's just lasted, you know, because of lack of influence. No one really travels outside of the village. Yeah. Not many people come through, and so it sat with them. It's but days. those R's, the American R, that's ah. where it came from. It came from the Irish. It came from the West Country of England. Yeah, you know that's why that R exists. So uh, people can contact you on your website. And, they can. And what's your website address? It is jbblanc.com. 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 Cool. jbblanc.com. And uh, and so they can they can contact you there, and you can either coach them in person here in Los Angeles or do the Skype stuff, which yep. is great. Uh, I really appreciate taking the time to chat about all this stuff. You're very welcome. I it, hope it wasn't too convoluted and 
No, not at all. <laughs> is, it, is, there, is there anything else that you, you think uh, that, that would be uh, good for people to know? Any, any subject we didn't touch on in terms of accents? No, I mean, we didn't really talk about speech impediments uh, as much. But, I mean, if you've got a speech impediment, and I will certainly help you with that if that's what you have, there are specialists that you can see. Uh, uh, it, there may be, you know, some people need surgeries or different, you know, there are all kinds of different things. So, you know, knowing the difference that because you're from Minnesota doesn't mean you have a speech impediment. Let's be clear on that. <laughs> and that speech therapy is very different from dialect coaching. Yeah. Often dialect coaches can see how the mechanism isn't working properly and therefore correct it. Uh-huh. But there are different, there, it's also different, there is, there's a difference between a speech pattern and a speech impediment. You know, it's a, it's a very different thing. Is there anything, if someone uh, is sort of new to this and wanted to contact you to get some accent coaching, is there anything they should prepare or, or have worked on before they contact you for? Often, often it doesn't really make any difference because, you know, if you go about an accent the wrong way and you, you, you learn it wrong, it's quite hard to unlearn it. So really, it's, it's in the individual consultation that I, that I sort of ascertain what their dialect is, where they're coming from, what speech patterns they're using, and how those would differ from the accent that they're trying to attain, which is why I talk about that the, the individual coaching is a more direct and, uh, and efficient way of doing it mm-hmm. in the long run. You can spend a fortune on dialect tapes and never get there. So while an individual dialect coach might be more than you were prepared to spend, you're going to learn faster and you're going to get the right rules mm-hmm. and the right set of practices to be able to do that. I will often make dialect tapes for people, but I'm making them based on their individual idiosyncrasies. Yeah, where they're coming from. And that is more, that you can't do that if you're producing, you know, 500,000 CDs to sell glo- globally on on a certain dialect. Gotcha. So uh, often in the recordings, I'll be addressing someone's individual issues, and, and and that's why it's more efficient in the long run. Yeah, it's a really sort of targeted way of sort of dealing with words. Exactly. But like I say, you know, if you if you want to go, and you can test your own ear out by recording yourself and listening back to yourself, you know, that's the other thing is we, we I know we're, we're trying to wrap up, but the, 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 there is a very individualized way. It's like when you hear your answer message and go, oh, my God, that's not me. Now, you and I are voice actors. We've had to get over that uh-huh. and listen to ourselves and be critical of ourselves. Uh-huh. Normal people, average people, people starting out in the business don't have that. They're not used to doing that. So it's always slightly alienating to hear it. Uh-huh. But I would say record yourself, listen to yourself, get used to that, and get rid of all those, those silly worries before, so that you can actually truly analyze yourself and be yeah. critical of what you're sounding like. Yeah. But a, a great way is, is listening to a recording, recording yourself and listening back. That's a great way of starting. And then the International Dialects of English Archive is a great resource to hear good, authentic uh, recordings of, of, of different dialects. What's interesting about that is that he gets everyone to read a piece initially, a standardized piece, and then he interviews them. Sometimes what happens is that people think, well, I'm reading, so I have to put on a slightly... So they slightly posh up their dialect while they're reading, and often it's the second half where it's interviewed where the actual authentic sounds come out. So, and do you know, do you happen to know the, the website address for that? It's very, very complicated because it's a ksu.edu.something gotcha. something. But if you Google International Dialects of English Archive, it will take you straight there. Great. All right. Thank you so much, JB. I My so pleasure. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Not at all. It's been fun. All right. Take care. Thanks, Chris. I hope you've enjoyed this insight into accents and dialects. I'm very grateful to JB for taking the time to talk with me in such detail about this important topic. Mastering accents can expand your casting opportunities immensely. 
So have fun working on dialects, and I'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Voice Acting Mastery Podcast with Crispin Freeman. To get your free report revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting, point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.